The Cardinals are fucking back, baby. Welcome, everyone, back to episode two of the Final Play Podcast. I'm Gunner. I'm Blake. And we got a we got a show for you here today. We're going to talk a little bit of NHL playoffs. We got the semifinals going on, conference finals, whatever you want to call it. Same thing with MLB, confer- or not MLB, NBA, conference finals. Uh, Spurs, number one pick. Going to talk about that a little bit. NBA draft lottery and just go over some MLB news. Yeah. All right, let's start with the sad news. The Kraken lost, Gunner. They lost. Um, they couldn't tough it out, and they're out of the playoffs. I really don't know. I really don't know what to say about it. I mean, I'm devastated. Um, again, we don't know a lot about hockey on this podcast, so I can't really give an in-depth analysis. Um, so I'm just going to say NHL rigged. NHL hates the Kraken. Refs fucked us. Um yeah, whatever. I I don't even. None of that is probably true, but that's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna go with. That's my story. Uh, I'm sticking to it. Yep. We'll be back Sorry next year. Time. We'll be back next year. We'll probably win next year. Um, I just don't see a scenario in which the Kraken don't come back as the best team in hockey. Um, because the Bruins got eliminated. Patrice Bergeron's gonna be out of Boston. Um, Bruins are destined for twenty years of poverty. Um. Las Vegas, their players are bound to get some DUIs here soon. They, I mean, they're in Vegas. Like, that's got to happen eventually. It's inevitable. Um, it's inevitable. Again, Dallas and their green jerseys, like, that is just not a recipe for success. So, I don't see Dallas being good next year. Um, Connor don't Mc- hate on the green jerseys. Connor McDavid can't make it to a conference final, so he's not even that good. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much that's my statement. Kraken yeah. will be the best team in hockey next we'll year. We'll see how they do next year. I feel like they'll still be a good team, but we'll have to see if they can do that kind of playoff push again. They still have hellish picks. They have a lot of draft picks. Absolutely, still. but it takes a while to see those draft picks. It's not like the NBA or anything like that where you're going to see them right off rip. You're, it's going to be a few years. Well, I mean... Majority of the time. If they're teenagers, they're going to send them to the minor leagues for a bit, have them get their weight up a bit so they're not fragile little princesses out there. There's a lot of... There's a lot going on to make the crack the kraken will definitely be better next year yeah because i mean i don't think they'll be worse at all they've established themselves they could get some free agents yeah um and those draft picks they don't have to use them they could trade they could use them yeah. for some trades like they have draft capital they have they could try to find some free agents but we'll have to see how that market is for seattle already they have draft capital they have money to spend they probably overreached a little bit this year for what a lot of people expected and beat a lot of expectations even yeah. making it as far as they did in the playoffs yeah so they're primed to take off next year yeah i agree with that that being said should we talk about the teams that are actually in the playoffs <laughs> in yeah, the playoffs fair yeah. enough, honestly all right so Dallas and Las Vegas, that's going to be an interesting one. I feel like it's going to be a lot of scoring going on. I still have to favor Dallas, I mean uh, Las Vegas, honestly. Well, to be honest, it's kind of boring. Like this, I mean, these these for all of the NHL like conference finals, these are boring. These are pretty Yeah, these boring. don't have any storylines to them at all, which kind of sucks. Like Vegas is fun cuz they're like team. they're still Las Vegas, they're still relatively new. Like yeah. we could be watching a dynasty be made for a team that's this new to the NHL, but like I don't I, know. The I'm da- full on for Vegas making it to another Stanley Cup and winning it. 
I'm not really the biggest fan of Dallas. I do like their jerseys, but I'm gonna have to go. I don't Las know Vegas how you could series. like those jerseys. They're so ugly. I love. They're green. horrible. I like they green. Look horrible. I like green. They're yeah. Dallas versus Vegas. Vegas is a better team. Yeah, like they've been doing pretty well, honestly. And, and the next one is gonna be Florida Carolina, your favorite team, Florida Panthers. Oh, the Florida Panthers are winning the Stanley Cup. Did you see that the you know that Corgi online that like always guesses the games or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has Florida in six. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. again, Carolina. I just look at Carolina. You know, you tell me a team's from Carolina. I look at the Carolina Hurricanes logo. That's that doesn't look like a team that wins championships. Like that's all I need to that's all you gotta tell me. The Hurricanes, really? Like, no. They're going to come through and fuck shit up, dude. Nope. Florida Panthers are going to beat the Carolina Hurricanes in six. I'll give Carolina six because Florida's an eight seed, and on paper, Carolina's a much better team. Whatever, dude. Cinderella like, story. You know? Cinderella story for the Florida Panthers. That's what I'm talking about. Um, But it's just, there. I feel like there are a lot more exciting matchups that could have happened. Yeah, for sure. Like... A lot of those teams that would have been made this round a lot more exciting just kind of failed at the end. They just faltered at the end, cracking out their chance to get through the next round, but they really just couldn't win the next game. The Oilers, same thing. Seeing Connor McDavid later on in the playoffs would have been great, but he, the team just could not finish that out. It's kind of disappointing at this point. Really, any, like, again, just like a, I, like, a Carolina team being in the Final Four is bad for sports because there's not a market there. There's not like, you oh, know, don't be like that towards Carolina, bro. I'm sorry, Carolina, but no one cares. Like the no one cares about the Panthers. No one cares about the Charlotte Hornets. No one cares about the Hurricane. To be fair to those teams, though, they've been poorly ran for the past years. At least it wasn't their fault. So like, it's just, eh. like, yeah. yeah. I would have much rather seen Florida, New Jersey. I think yeah. like that would have been a more exciting series. That would have been exciting. I think Kraken Vegas would have been way more exciting. Even Oilers. Kraken Oilers or Oilers Dallas. Yeah, because uh, yeah, Connor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have Connor McDavid. I mean, these are both games are getting kicked off here. One uh, Florida Carolina's tonight, and then Dallas Las Vegas is tomorrow. We'll have to see how the series goes. I'll probably be watching these just because I do like playoff hockey. It gets interesting. It's gonna be it's very chippy. It's gonna be Vegas, Florida in the Stanley Cup final. Florida will win that in six as well. In pa- six, okay. Pa- Panthers to the Panthers to the moon. Panthers to the moon. That's all I have to say. Ready for first, honestly. Panthers are gonna win the Stanley Cup easy. All right, so we just want to move to NBA playoffs right now. NHL is not much to talk about since the round hasn't started. No, rounds haven't really started. That's the final four. That's the preview. Let's go talk about a sport more people care about. (laughs) All right, well, NBA playoffs, the Lakers, Nuggets have started out. Nuggets are leading 1-0 in the series. Jokic is doing Jokic things, which I already knew he was going to do against small baby lineups that the Lakers put out there. I Lakers not... By the way, uh, bubble rematch for the Final Four yeah. here. Yeah. Very interesting. It was a one-off. It took a few years, but it wasn't a one-off. No. I, it really shows that the NBA is a lot more balanced than it used to be. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's teams that will contend. Different teams will just, contend every year. I think it's just with generations and everybody's figured out their own play style and like how to train. 
I th- There's a lot of better players out there. I mean, Jamal Murray is just on a tear right now like he was in the bubble before he got injured, which is, you just love to see. Missing him for that year with his ACL tear was just sucked because he really was getting into his own, and it's good to see him back into his own, and his one the one-two punch with, uh, punch with Jokic in him is just uh, fun to watch. I, I see that series going deep. I mean, game one was... Game one was fairly fairly close. Like, or game one was a good game to watch. Yeah, it was. It was a the Nuggets were really dominating the first first half, half but, but the second half, the Lakers just kept on inching closer and closer. Back Laker, to Lakers back. almost brought it back. Um, I think that like, I don't know. I think what you said about Jamal Murray is going to be key for the Nuggets to win oh, if they're um, going to win that series. It's not just Jamal Murray. Like with how deep the Lakers benches, it's going to be that whole bench for the Nuggets. Aaron Gordon's going to have to show up. Michael Porter's going to have to do his thing and just chuck up shots whenever he gets the ball. Like it's going to have to be a full team. Like it's not going to be as easy. I I do have a lot of money on the Nuggets winning, so I'm going Nuggets full full ride. I just think like the Nuggets I've heard a lot of Jokic slander over the past couple of years about like he can't win in the playoffs which is weird because again in 2020 in the bubble he made it to the conference finals but like jamal murray is supposed to be his number two and it's unfair to say that Jokic can't win in the playoffs when he's large like i know you mentioned aaron gordon michael porter jr but those aren't those are all recent too. They weren't really a thing back in 2020. And like especially Aaron Gordon wasn't. I don't remember if Michael Porter was really playing that much because he had a lot of back issues yeah. early in his career. So having that supporting cast just helping Jokic more. Jamal Murray is definitely like that one that really gets him over that hump, though, in my opinion. Because we saw him last year in the playoffs and 2022 and 2021 when they didn't really have Jamal Murray either back to 100 percent or didn't have him at all. And you can just see there was a missing piece. Like, they could focus on Jokic a little bit more. Jamal Murray during, being out there, though, is helping a lot. It's giving Jokic room to play make. And, I mean, he had an insane first half. It was something like 16 points, 19 rebounds, and 5 assists or 6 assists. He was just having a crazy first half against the Lakers. It's it's like the kind of almost tiers of players we were talking about last week where, um, like, there's there's role players – there's good players, there's stars, there's superstars. Jokic is a superstar, but with, without like a healthy Jamal Murray who's firing on all cylinders, yeah. He's just surround he's a he's a superstar surrounded by good players. Yeah. And that's a tall task when you go against two superstars like Anthony Davis and LeBron James yeah. who are also surrounded by a couple stars and good players. Yeah. But I think Jamal Murray is really going to make that team go. And yes. if Jamal Murray can stay hot, he can help space the floor. He can compliment Jokic. Yeah. Like, and... They've been doing well, too, of, like, covering up his, like... I wouldn't want to say lack of effort on defense, but that's what it looks like half the time. They've been really covering for that, where he kind of gets lost on defense of what he's doing. And they've been doing well at covering that up for him. Luckily enough, the lakers don't really have anybody he's going to be guarding that's going to be crucial for him to like lock down so mm-hmm. that's what's really helpful right now but it, jamal murray is the x factor for the nuggets for the lakers it's going to be their entire bench all of their supporting cast they're gonna they're gonna have to help out lebron and ad oh i mean yeah if you have an austin reeves a rui hachimura uh d'angelo russell like a shorter 
Dennis Schroeder, like if those guys are going, then uh, I mean, I don't think the Nuggets can contend with that. Like, no, I don't. Th- but those guys are very up and down, and so there is definitely like that series is going to go deep, regardless. It's going to be a great series. I still have Nuggets going through, and I, I de- definitely have them as my favorites right now for NBA champs. Honestly, the Heat are looking good. Boston's good. Lakers are good. But I feel like this is the year where everything falls into place for the Nuggets finally. No injuries. They have experience now. They have like that full roster. I just feel like this is the Nuggets year at this point. I just have a mental block with like picturing the Nuggets as NBA champions. I mean, they haven't even made it to the finals. When you like when you when I close my eyes and you read off team names, you read off Lakers, Celtics, Miami Heat, and then Bulls. Denver Nuggets. Oh, yeah. like okay. I, okay, I see what you're saying. Some okay. someone doesn't stand out, but these Nuggets are not the same Nuggets of old. So I I can see why. I don't know if I would go as far to say that they're my favorites to win the NBA championship. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think the Nuggets could. This is their best roster they've ever put together. Yeah, that could win a championship. They are very good, but I think the Lakers will beat them. We'll have to see what happens there. Um, I think the Lakers I think the Lakers win this in seven. I think LeBron and AD get to go against the Celtics. I feel like Nuggets win it in five. Wow, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Nuggets in five? Nuggets in five. Like Nuggets in five, but it's a really good series because they're all close games. Yeah, they're all close okay. games and chippy, but it's Nuggets in five. They're gonna take home court. They're they don't lose at home. They're going to steal one away in L.A., and I don't think that once they go back to Denver that L.A. is going to be able to compete. I'm making a call. That is a very bold – that's a very bold statement. I'm making a call. Especially with the Lakers up 53-48 to at halftime. That's a bold – That don't matter. If the Lakers Lakers win this game, let's just – Yeah, yeah. If the Lakers win this game, then they won one at Denver. Yeah. Then they get to go play two at home. Yeah. So I could also see an ugly series for Denver where, like like you said, they could be good games, but like you get to Los Angeles, the Lakers sweep at home. Yeah, you get to go back to Denver, but you're going back to Denver down 3-1. Like, I, now that's just a dream scenario for the Lakers. That's, that's a dream scenario. I, I, I don't see this. I don't see this go. If the Lakers win this game, there's no way it's a 4-1 series. There's no way the Lakers go back to Los Angeles and get swept. Yeah. In LA. That's if they win this game. It's in, only halftime. In the Staples Center. Yeah, yeah. That's like, what I'm saying. I th- I still believe it's all dependent on this. Denver winning tonight. If they take a 2-0 lead, I do think that they will take a game in LA. And going back home, they will finish it out. Riding high, your first NBA Finals franchise history, you're going to play the best basketball of your life in that moment. And so I just feel like them going back home... If they have that 3-1 lead, it's over. It's done. Let me paint a different picture for you. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, I just want you to close your eyes. I just okay. want you to okay. I just want you eyes to picture this. Eyes are closed. Game 7 in Denver. The Nuggets had a 3-1 lead. Uh-huh. LeBron James driving to the rim, gets around Jokic, lays it in. Lakers go up with two seconds left. Nuggets fail to score. Jokic's brothers get arrested trying to bum rush LeBron James on the court. Jokic's 
standing there in disbelief. We're going Lakers to the chip. LeBron with another 3-1 comeback. Like I just since you said that you had money on the Nuggets, I just want you to picture that. Yeah, yeah. That I just want you to I just That'd want you to And then I want you to picture having to come in the next day and record this podcast. I'd be fine. I'd be fine. Cuz I have to remember the basketball team you've rooted for your whole life, the Trailblazers have been ass your whole life. Trailblazers are going to boom next season. We'll see. Do we want to talk since we were talking Nuggets? Um, who, by the way, eliminated the sorry ass franchise that is the Phoenix Suns, and the Phoenix Suns decided to fire their coach. Do you have anything to say about that? I don't like the move. I can understand where they're coming from. Maybe with a new owner, maybe they don't see it eye to eye. But Monty really did change that franchise around. I don't like them not giving him like the first half of next year. Let's see if you can figure it out how to run this team because. He, he was the most winning coach of the last three seasons. And you're going to just fire him because he couldn't figure it out with a new player and an injured Chris Paul in the playoffs. You're going to fire him. There must be something else going on where they really weren't seeing eye to eye and did not want to work together. It's just very odd to me. I don't like the move. Monty was a great locker room presence, a great coach in general. He's the def- definition of a player's coach. So I'm not really sure. I think that's just... I think it's just one of those situations where someone has to be the fall guy, right? Like, yeah, it's you bring in Kevin Durant, and you know that Suns team—they had the same core for the past couple of seasons when they were winning a lot. They had Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and then they don't bring it home, and you add Kevin Durant to that, and you still don't bring it home. You don't even make it to a conference final. I think it's almost, which I don't. I think it's it's something that we see are seen in the NBA because like a lot of very good coaches have been fired recently. Short leashes. Like short leashes. Yeah, the last I think what it was is like the last four coaches I've won a championship have been fired. Yeah, like uh, the Bucks coach was fired. Nick Nurse was fired. Monty Williams didn't win a championship, but he won a Coach of the Year. The Sixers fired Doc Rivers. It's so weird to me because of what we talked about earlier where it's like the NBA is so much better. Yeah. And there's like, there's a lot more parity. There is a lot. It, yeah. Everyone is on way more even ground. It's not very top heavy where there's two teams that dominate a conference. Yeah. So to fight, like you said, firing Monty Williams, you said that you think there maybe is like it, owner coach not seeing eye to eye but when i see it happen i see it happening in other situations and i think they just need to realize like you know team like other teams are a lot better and if you have a good coach you should just hold on to him like if it, 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 eric spolstra and the heat the heat were had a have had lulls but they trust spolstra enough to see it through yeah, but that's a little bit different because of how the front offices ran and everything with Pat Riley being like the head guy and he kind of have, has more of understanding since he was a head coach. He's willing to give that leash like, hey, I see your roster. We're not competing. Do what you can. I want to see improvements from like whoever it might be and like really put your time into them. I feel like it's either the owner thing or it was decision making that they didn't like within that playoff series because something happened to Aiton where he was just not there anymore. Like he was just a non-factor. The Nuggets didn't have to worry about him. He was missing wide open layups. He was front rimming it on when he's like literally right there. He could have dunked it. He was laying it up, missing it. 
He was looking dejected on the bench, just not even interested at all when they were losing at home with the series on the line, not interested at all. I just don't know what's going on. I don't know if they want to change the culture into more of a winning culture. I know that Monty is a winning culture, but maybe they want something a little bit different with a coaching style that meshes with all players to push them a little bit harder. Because, I mean, we do know the owner played on Michigan State basketball team. Yeah. And if he likes Izzo's kind of style of roughneck. Maybe get someone else. Get the hammer out and just absolutely go at someone. That might be who he's looking for. I just don't know out there who would be like that. That's what I was thinking. Like, who, I mean. I mean, there's plenty of people to pick from now with how many coaches have been fired, though. True. So, true. He wants someone with a little bit more dog in them, maybe. Maybe. I just don't know who that would be because all these modern co- coaches are not really like that. Yeah, you They're can't. They're not out there yelling at someone. You can't really bring a blue-collar work ethic to Kevin Durant, <laughs> you know? like. Have you not seen him work construction? Have you not seen that picture of Kevin Durant in a construction uniform? Go and look that up. I, <laughs> I listen, call it right listen. There. Oh that's my god! Right oh my, g- whatever. But I don't know. It's an odd choice. Um, the Doc Rivers one, I see a lot more like realistically. He's just he always seems to fail in the big moments, and that was definitely the best roster the 76ers have put out recently. And for them to go out like that was really disappointing. Yeah, you see it. Oh my God! You cannot <laughs> call it right. My there. bad. He's ready to inspect any building. My bad. I, you know what? Like blue collar guys would definitely support the use of safety goggles. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the knee high socks exactly. with shorts. My bad. Yeah. That's my bad. That's a kid ready to be a unlaced warrior right there. Unlaced boots. That is, yeah, that's my bad. You yeah. know what? Kevin Durant, I he's guess. He's up to safety protocol. I guess he's the definition of blue collar. Exactly. So, so that's my fault. But, yeah, I'm just not sure. Like, the only coaches in the league that I can think that are, like, hard-nosed, like, really get after their players is, like, Tom Thibodeau. And, like, that's all I can really think of, like, as far as those coaches that have that, like, get after it attitude and I, like nick nurse isn't gonna be that guy if they want to go after a nick nurse he is not he's a he's a nerd he's a nerd like he's a nerd he's, he's a great coach but he's a nerd he's the mike mcdaniels of the fucking nba like he's just a nerd he loves basketball and statistics and he's a great coach for it i think if he's won a championship you have to say mike mcdaniels is the nick nurse of the nfl but mike mcdaniels is a legend mike okay? mcdaniels is great i yeah. love mike mcdaniels i love hearing that guy speak about football and how he gets in trouble with his wife every time he watches film way too late. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, you mentioned it. The the Sixers fired Doc Rivers, which I agree makes sense. But I think that one makes so much more sense because the, the it wasn't Suns... Like they were dominant. The Suns were dominant for a lot of The Suns of were dominant time. in the regular season. And like you said, Chris Paul was hurt. They just got... Like, injuries happen. That can't be an excuse. They were so injured this year. So, like, but having this record isn't really a reflection. You also just got Kevin Durant. Like, you haven't had a whole season with Kevin Durant. Yeah. And you have Kevin Durant extended. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. You're getting... Like, the change also could have been Chris Paul. Like, I don't think Chris Paul is... Chris Paul's too old. They could have... I don't know if... Like... It's a really sticky one because he could stay around, but I don't know if the Suns will want to keep that contract. They'll want to have more movement within the money. So I feel like they'll want to restructure his contract, and that's how what it will end up coming down to, in my opinion. But you that could have been the change is like a reduced role for Chris Paul. 
and someone else coming in and kind of being a little bit more dynamic with that team. I mean, honestly, I don't mind uh, Cameron Payne running the offense as a starter. He, when he was coming in and being the point guard, he was pushing the pace, and that's when we were playing at our best against the Nuggets. Like, fast pace, let's get down the court and let's get our shots off. I loved it, and I don't mind him doing that if we're going to maybe – we don't have a first round draft pick, but if we're able to get like another point guard that's able to come off the bench behind him and just kind of have that dish it out more kind of sense, like I'm going to look for guys more than I'm going to look for myself to shoot. It'd be great, but we'll have to see. I just don't know what the, like what the Suns are going to look by look, look like by the beginning of the next NBA season. Yeah. I mean, it's a short off season. Like NBA is always really short and it's really weird. It's only, three month off season it feels like before NBA's back, but we'll have to see what these next three months tell us with the Suns and what the decisions are around that. And I think the Sixers one is a lot more warranted because the Sixers have been kind of that like just they they haven't really made deep playoff runs. And like under Doc Rivers they've I I don't think they've been to an Eastern Conference final. It just didn't feel like it felt like the Celtics game plan for the seventy Sixers. The 76ers did not game plan for the Celtics. And I think that's the, the style that Doc Rivers is missing now. He's not like the new coaches where they're analytic heads and they're going to look at it. They're going to look at it like, how am I going to play better against you? He just looks at, we're the better team, so we're just going to play how we want to and they're going to have to adjust to us. I don't think in the modern NBA that works anymore. What are you going to do if the Suns hire Doc Rivers? Cry. Yeah. But, I mean, the process is... The process is over. Like, it hasn't worked. You could... I don't know what the Sixers are going to do because it looks like Harden may be gone. He's opting out so that way he can find a long-term deal. Like, I guess he could come back to the 76ers, but it doesn't look like it. I mean, Tyrese Maxey is a good player. Yeah. But that team is going to get, like... Without James Harden, it creates a big hole for sure. It's going to be a hard... It's it's going to be a hard offseason to be a Sixers fan. Yeah. Because you're having to Your find... Your team could be completely different by the end. You're like having... Beginning of next year. Yeah, you're having to find a new coach. And it's like Embiid, who's just off an MVP season. It hasn't worked. Like, who yeah. who are you going to get to bring... It's going to have to be like getting Harden back. Or who can you trade for, bring in to make that team a lot better. They just... It's but, like... It's, something's coming to back to bite them in the butt. And it's how long they stuck with the style of players they had surrounded Joel. Because they were like really thinking like Ben Simmons is the guy. He's going to be like the centerpiece. Joel is just a secondary star. Secondary. Like he's just a great piece to have alongside him. They needed to switch it up where Joel was that guy. And they just kept along too long with players around Joel that didn't really help him with his play style and made him a better player. We're seeing this year they got a lot of guys around him that made his game style better and more lethal, and he was an MVP. Like they just like missed some grand opportunities in time with the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid like testing out phase. It was really bad. And it's there's a, there's a scenario, and I don't think it's like it's not completely. I don't think it's completely asinine to say that there's a world where Joel Embiid isn't on the 76ers next year, depending on how that roster construction goes, because there, there's going to have to be some hard conversations had. 
and you're gonna have to balance like what's available what you know who's a free agent what trades you can make with like the return you could get for Embiid and like what roster you can viably put out there because I think it would be more harmful for the franchise to keep like you know if you bring in a new coach and you bring in but you can't get some you can't get some players around Embiid you can't get that team rolling is it really beneficial to roll out or to like try and have Embiid backpack your team and you maybe make the playoffs, maybe are a playing team versus like just reloading completely? I They would definitely have to make some moves. I just don't know what the moves would be, honestly. They just don't have enough anymore. Tobias Harris isn't going to get you a good return. Tyrese Maxey will, but you're not going to find the same player within that trade. They're going to get back role players that are good, but they're not going to get back a Tyrese Maxey and another player. And if you're keeping Embiid, you don't want to get rid of Maxey. Exactly. So it's like it's a they're in a tough decision period where it's like, do we go all for it or do we kind of take a step back and get better, get back to it in like three years? It's a weird situation for them. The only like the only and I think it's a long shot. The only possibility that I see that could that could make the Sixers competitive next year is if you go get if the Blazers finally cut bait on Dame Lillard and not I mean that's yeah, not, that that's not even necessarily lot. cutting bait. Like Dame is a phenomenal player, but if the Blazers are finally like we can't figure the shit out. We can't get a team around Dame. We have to go like full on blow it up restart like you could go like dame but i don't like lebron and ad aren't gonna split up especially after making the conference finals the warriors like steph and clay are gonna be there still yeah if draymond opts out like he's He's not changing the team he's not he's not changing the team and if he opts out he's opting out to get like a better contract with golden state because he's not gonna or a longer term deal done with Golden State, he's not going to he's not playing anywhere other than the Warriors. Like I'm trying to just think of notable I don't know if he'll be back with Golden State, honestly. I'm just trying to think of like people floating around that the seventy sixers could bring in, but it's it's gonna be hard. You're gonna have to go make a trade or something. Yeah. It's gonna be a hard one. They'll have to figure it out, but I don't know if they'll actually figure it out where they're gonna be back in the situation they were in this year. They're going to take multiple steps back, and it's going to take a while to get back to where they were. Yeah. And then uh, Heat versus Celtics, game two tomorrow. Heat lead the series 1-0. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's that guy. Jimmy Butler is the best player on the world as soon as it's playoff time. It's when he cares the most about it. We see that every single time. The overall Heat team is playing a lot better. I give everybody credit, but Jimmy is just so consistent in the playoffs where he's going to drop... 35 a night a few rebounds at least like eight rebounds and have like eight assists because he's getting so much attention from everybody the sun should hire jimmy butler as their coach (laughs) you want someone with that dog in them that's very true it would work i'd come in and run ones on everyone and be like yeah you all ass get better get better 
I just worry about the Heat. I think the Heat, the Heat have the star that has more of a dog in them. You know, I right now, if you're giving me like Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, I'm taking Jimmy Butler. Yeah. But I have to look at, and I also I think the Heat win that coaching matchup a hundred percent. Yeah, he's a newer coach. If it was still Brad Stevens, then it would be like, okay, it's hard. They're both like the same person almost, where it's like even Udoka would be a Udoka was so much better at making like in game adjustments. Yeah. This guy is I also again don't know why Brad Stevens doesn't call down to the bench or just walk down there and be like, Hey, they're killing us. Do this. It's weird to me that Brad Stevens didn't want to be a head coach anymore. That's what always confused me. I didn't really read into it whatsoever. But why he wanted to take an executive job already when he was such a good head coach was just so odd to me. It's probably a little bit more stable. I mean, I... Yeah, it definitely would be. What we talked about with, like, you're a super good coach, you win a lot, and you make deep runs, but you lose to a good team in the playoff and you get fired, like... Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. It's just weird to me. I, I like him as a coach, so it's, I guess that's just my own personal thing where I want to see him coach still more than I want to see him in the front office of the Celtics. My concern for the my concern for the Heat though is like it really a big part of it really has been the Jimmy Bucket show. Like a big part of it really has been that. And if the Celtics are deep and I worry about him losing like just running out of gas if this series goes deep. He trains all year for this. Like he's, he might like run out of gas, but he never quits, and that's the thing about Jimmy. So he's gonna need some of his role players to step up. Oh yeah, I absolutely. Mean, he doesn't have Victor Oladipo. He Tyler Hero is still gone. Like some other guys are gonna really have to step up because that Celtics team is so deep. Yeah. Did you see the crazy play by Duncan Robinson the other night? That's my favorite guy. That's my guy. Did you see the play by him though? Yeah. Where he went up and he's gonna get blocked and bounced it off of Bam's head, and Bam was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that shit was crazy. I mean, I think they are stepping up. I think Shout Eric Spolster's probably like, instilled some confidence in them for the series. Shout out Duncan Robinson, fellow D3 athlete. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the dude. Then he went D1. Then he went D1. Fuck yourself. <laughs> I Spolster's a good coach, and he will get the most out of his players, but... I just the Celtics are good. Yeah. That's another series that's going to be like the will of Jimmy Butler versus the talent of the Celtics. Yeah, and the, the Celtics go. didn't execute anything well in game 1, I feel like. So mm-hmm. that's not what we're going to see all series long where it's like the Heat running the show. The Celtics just weren't doing the things properly that, that they should have. I just though I think the inexperience of the Celtics coach is where we could see the the Heat win. Because good coaches make adjustments game to game. And I think he's a good coach. Great coaches make adjustments play to play. Yeah. And I think Spolstra in in some tight, if the game is a tight, like there is, there's definitely the possibility that the Celtics make an adjustment before a game come out and like just freaking roll. Yeah. And like have a blowout in the game. But there's also, you know, if it's a tight game, I like the Heat more in a close game because I think Spolstra will make the adjustment for that moment. Yeah. You can't run the same play over and over again against the Heat because they will find the hole of how they need to actually attack it. With the Celtics, it's been taking them a while sometimes. 
when teams run the same play back to back that keeps on working, it takes them a bit to like actually stop it, which is that coaching difference that we're talking about. So it will be interesting. I don't know. It's just this one's hard to predict because the Heat were not supposed to be this good in the playoffs, but they're this because of Jimmy Butler. And the Celtics are the Celtics. It's hard to guess who's going to. It would be cool to see the Heat make it through. It's a hard one. I got Celtics in six. That's understandable. I don't blame you for that. I think I think there will be some close games. <coughs> um, I think there will be some dog fights, but I think that I th- I again I think there's just going to be those couple games where the firepower of the Celtics comes out so hard, and the Heat just won't be able to claw back. And so I th- I think I see this. I think I see the Celtics winning in six, maybe seven, six or seven games. But I think the Celtics make it through. I think we get a classic Lakers-Celtics final. Nuggets-Celtics. Lakers-Celtics final. Nuggets-Celtics. Lakers-Celtics final. LeBron right. James, Jason Tatum. It'll be interesting It'll be fun. One. It'll be fun. That's a lot of stars. Move to on to the exciting news of the yeah. draft lottery. That was a Cong- lot of movement. Congratulations, with Spurs. <clears throat> if Pop has Victor Wimbanyamba, that's just ridiculous. That's unfair. He's going to make him like a 10-time defensive player of the year at least. Well, he he has a history of doing a very good job with big men too. And international players. Ginobili. Ginobili. Uh, uh, fucking, what's his name? Tony Parker. Tony Parker is French too. French. He's always had just international guys on their team and he just does really well. Even at, like big men though, just in general. Tim Duncan. Like, Yeah, he was, yeah. David Robinson. Yeah. Sergeant, I think is what his nickname was. Marcus Aldridge spent some time in San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. But he was already solidified by then. But, like, I don't know if they're going to trade out of this spot. Maybe somebody really wants Wimbayama. They're not going to trade out of the spot. Not with a prospect like Wimbayama. Depends on what you get back, though. It's possible. We'll, we'll hear some talks about it probably eventually. The only thing, and this is kind of going into our second, or the other thing I wanted to talk about. It would have to be like a pick swap. Yeah, yeah. It would be a pick swap with some players involved or more picks. Maybe the Blazers jumping up. Yeah. Like you get get Dame and the number three pick for the number one pick. I just. Probably some other picks and players, but like. I don't think that's smart for either team. Oh, no. But like it would have to be a return like that with a prospect like Wimby, you know? Yeah, I agree. I just don't. It's hard to see who would trade up and what the value would be for it. With NBA draft like draft trades, they're always so odd with like who the players are that get added in. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you are like trading that pick for the player, not for the pick, because it's not really like Victor is the number one pick. There's not really there's any not a debate. About yeah. It. yeah, so it, it's hard to guess what that return on return on that would be actually. But I, I, I don't see the Spurs trading it. I think the Spurs will hold on to it. It's smarter to hold on to it because they've been, they've been in a rebuild. Like they've yeah. done this for it. Like the fact and uh, like you said, they did not expect there's movement. So like this really expedites the process. Yeah. I mean, and then so like Hornets have number two, number three of the Trailblazers. The Hornets one is not is to me like I don't I don't see the Hornets 
moving out of that. No, I think either. the Hornets are going to stay there, and they're probably going to take someone like Brandon Miller from Alabama, or maybe one of the Thompson twins from uh, Overtime Elite like league. Younger guys, but very versatile. I don't see them taking uh, the like consensus second guy in the draft, uh, Scoot Henderson, because he's a guard, and he's not really going to be able to play alongside LaMelo. They're both ball-dominant. You need a wing player. So probably seeing Brandon Miller or maybe like a uh, – I forget which Thompson twin doesn't play point guard. Asur, Asar Thompson. Okay. They're both like – they're both wing players, very athletic, and they're going to shoot threes, which would be really good on the Hornets, but you could change them – like turn them around a little bit because they've been missing that like supporting cast around LaMelo and just like a good wing player could really help out. And then you mentioned the Blazers. <laughs> I think I think the Blazers pick is the most interesting in the draft in that top three because I think the Spurs will take Wembenyama. Like you, like and then like you said, I don't see this the Hornets trading out of the second pick, and I see them getting a very good player to complement Lamelo. The only r- way that they might move out of the second pick is because you said they might be they're taking a guy that a lot of people don't. They'd be taking someone that a lot of people don't view as the number two player in the draft, so maybe they could fall back <coughs> to a five or six and still get one of those players and get some other draft capital or some other help. But the Blazers one is really interesting because I think they are at a crossroads. And I think that like, a, there's going to be a lot of talks. There's going to be a lot of decisions made. Yeah, it's, it's really going to be whether, or... like, is Lillard going to be there or not? That's the deciding factor. Yeah, it's going to go one or two ways. Yeah, because gonna... if Lillard's moving, you could trade Lillard for one of the picks within the draft. Mm-hmm. If Lillard's staying, then it changes, like, who you're actually going to pick. So then you are trading down because if Scoot Henderson falls you to three, someone's really going to want him. You might as well trade down one to two picks. Get a few more, like, draft picks later on, like, next two years or whatever. And do that, but Damian Lillard is the deciding factor. I just think it's time for them to move on. Or, I've, and I know you said that I'm. I watch the Blazers. The Blazers are the team that I kind of watch because they're local, Pacific Northwest. Not a huge Blazers fan, but I have I have a little something cooked up in my mind. Yeah. Like we said with the Sixers, there's a lot of we don't really know what's going on. I think. And we and I mentioned like maybe the Sixers go and get Dame, someone who could be on the move. But I I see there's an interesting situation in which that trade goes the other way, in which the Sixers who are kind of at a crossroads get a call from the Trailblazers saying, "Hey, we have that number three pick. What's up with Embiid?" It's harder that way though because Embiid just won the MVP. Obviously, you'd have to give up more. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, in general, like, but even a, if it was the other way around, like, the 76ers have the third pick. A Sixers team that needs a new coach, that lost James Harden. I'm not saying it's the most probable situation, but the Blazers need a second star to play alongside Dame. Yeah. It's not going to be another guard. Yeah. It needs to be a wing or a big man. Yep. Like, a Joel Embiid, Damian Lillard pairing works. Yeah, it would be really good. I just... It's hard with a superstar. It's hard to like say like, yeah, Scooter Henderson's eventually going to be just as good as Joel Embiid was. 
or anybody. You know, it's just like it's hard to see because you've already seen Joel Embiid be an MVP. Da- Damian Lillard hasn't, so it's a little bit easier to say that he could get traded away for like the third overall pick and some other stuff. The Joel Embiid thing, especially with the new NBA CPA agreement, it's basically going to be impossible to get that done because you can only trade a certain amount of draft picks anymore. You can't throw in seven draft picks into one dra- uh, one trade. So it becomes very more like a lot more difficult to get that kind of trade done. I still think there's a way. And it de- it it depends on a, it the Blazers are definitely at a disadvantage and it depends a lot on other like decisions that are made, but there's a way. It depends on if Harden's coming back. Yep. It depends on what the Sixers as an organization decide to do and how they evaluate their situation. Yeah. Um, I think it also, I mean, it's a, it's a superstar dominant league. So a lot of it depends on what, uh, Joel Embiid also decides, like, I think the Sixers are going to have to kind of talk to Joel about like, this is the reality of the situation. This is the way we see going forward through the franchise. And if he asks to be, if he asks for a way out, like, I wouldn't blame him at all, but. It's You're just not... hard to see superstars getting moved now after the new contract negotiations between like the NBA and the Players Association. I agree with that, but there's going to have to be a way where it's like, I mean, trades involving superstars are going to have to happen. They yeah. happen in every sport. It's harder, but you're not going to get a whole lot better value you can throw in a lot of you can throw in players if you're the Trailblazers, but you're not going to get a whole lot much better value if you're the 76ers than the third overall pick if you decide to move on from Embiid, and that's a big if. There's also a situation where the Blazers again ship. I could see a situation where the Blazers ship Dame to Philadelphia, get some solid yeah. players, maybe some young players like a Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, and use that number three pick along with some extra draft capital to make a good young core and rebuild over the next couple of years. So I just think those are two teams that make a lot of sense to me with how the draft lottery shaped up. Yeah, it was very weird. There's a lot of movement on the board this year with the draft lottery, which was interesting to see. I do have to give a shout out to my man, Grady Dick, though. Best name in the draft by far. I mean, he's gonna be a top ten pick, Grady Dick. Come on, bro. like that. That name alone is just he'll. It's gonna create so much fun with he, commentary. He has a career in the league just based off that name alone. Like if I was a GM, I would draft him. Sorry, there is another guy, GG Jackson. No, Grady Dick. So GG? much better. Good game, Jackson, bro. No, Grady Dick. <laughs> Grady Dick. He will mushroom stamp GG Jackson. I'll be excited to see like once we start going through the pre-draft stuff and just seeing where these guys and like what team talks are looking like. How movement is going to be, who's going to shoot up on the board out of nowhere, because there's always those guys, especially in a draft like this year where there's only a consensus number one. And after that, it's like kind of a question of what play style you want. It'll be interesting to see how like talks go and what players are going to be like rising in the board compared to other players. And 
again, none of this matters till after the finals, but it's kind of fun now that we have the draft order set to kind of daydream and kind of like think about what if scenarios. Yeah. We know that Victor Wembem Yama is going to be a spur. Basically, but yeah. Past that, there's definitely some movement. Like the like the Hornets could stay in the number 2 spot or if they believe that they can get one of those other guys that would complement LaMelo better at like the 5th or the 6th pick, they could move. Blazers, something has happened in Portland, 100%. We could see a superstar like Dame get someone who is going to be his duo in Portland. We could see Dame in another city. Like, there's... The draft will have a lot of movement, for sure. There will be a lot of movement in this draft. I don't really care about the draft. The Suns have zero picks in the first round. Don't give a fuck, honestly. You know what I mean? I mean, the Suns are kind of... they're, They're just always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And I am so excited for you to watch the Suns lose in the conference finals next season. Should we talk some MLB? <laughs> yes, let's go MLB now. <laughs> you fucker. I mean, this. I I don't know what to tell you, but... I'm just glad you get to see every single year the Cardinals okay, getting eliminated you know out of the divisional round. We're back. We're fucking back. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. When we were recording this podcast last week, I was in a dark place. I was in a real dark place, Blake. I thought the season was over. Uh-huh. I wanted to blow. I was. I was. I was. I had the R word in my mind. Whoa, 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 whoa! Rebuild. Oh, okay. I was. I was worried about. I was worried about that. I I had nightmares about Arenado and Goldie wanting out. Yeah. Jordan Walker being a bust. Nolan Gorman being moved at the Nolan Gorman being moved at the deadline. But now we're hot. We're back. Paying a DH eighty million dollars. Shut the fuck up. He's catching again. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Jack Flaherty and Wilson Contreras as a battery had the Flaherty's best start of the season. His best fucking start since twenty nineteen. Let's not yeah. cap. His best start since twenty nineteen on yeah. the day against the Brewers. Yeah. The lineup's getting hot. And listen, I'm not I'm going to come back down to earth. I'm not going to do the full back and forth like I was. Like, I'm not going to say that we're World Series contenders right now. The the front office is still delusional if they think that that starting rotation is good enough to win a World Series. Oh, they'll get into the, they'll get into the playoffs and absolutely get ran over. They are delusional if they think that that, team, that pitching rotation is good enough to make a deep playoff run. What I will say... I didn't think it was realistic that the guys would be performing that bad. Like, Miles Michaelis is a better pitcher than he's shown. Jack Flaherty has shown flashes. Would love to see him put it together. Um, Jordan Montgomery had a couple rough starts, but he's better than that. Like, these aren't frontline guys, but they also aren't complete. Like, those three guys aren't complete dog shit. And we called yeah. Libertor up last night. He had a phenomenal start. He's finally his, looking like a top pitching prospect. His curveball is looking good now, actually. And the increase in velocity. Yeah. That is huge. For yeah, us. he's like throwing 99 almost, right? Yeah. He he was high nines last night. 90, I know I saw 97 for sure. I thought I saw at least a few pitches 99, though. He he was high nines because he he this offseason he put like a lot of he put a lot of weight on. Yep. Um. He got stronger, throwing harder. Um. So I, I could see, like, if he is good, 
that's a big boost to our rotation that we can do internally. It is also good to see Arenado fucking hitting everything out of the ballpark. Yeah, he has a home run tonight, right? I don't think he hit a home run tonight. Tonight, we had... He did. He did hit a home run tonight? Two Holy run homer. shit, dude. He is so... Everyone was hitting home runs tonight. Card The Cardinals hit four home runs in the third inning tonight. Wow. Three of them back-to-back. The young is just being the young again. Yeah, Arenado hit one in the fourth. They're definitely back. They have figured out their offense is doing well enough where they're able to cover for their pitching, and their bullpen is not blowing games anymore, which is the big thing. I felt bad for the starting rotation sometimes with how they would have the lead, and then the bullpen bullpen would come through and just absolutely wipe it clean really fast. It was a hard look for a long time. The offense is definitely clicking. Arenado being back is helping a lot. Still has to boost his numbers up after that like really bad start, but it will happen. It will happen over the year. His power is definitely back, which is making me think it was just an injury, and he's just never going to say anything about being hurt because he's kind of that old-school kind of player where he's not going to say that, like, oh, yeah, my my ankle's kind of a little bum right now, so I can't plant as well as I want to, whatever it might be. He was definitely hurt, in my opinion. I don't know if he was hurt. I just think, like... Slumps happen, man. Slumps happen. But I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read <coughs> to you the OPS of the Cardinals starting lineup tonight. And I just like this lineup is dangerous. They just have to get it. Got to get it going. Yeah. So our leadoff hitter, Large Newbar, has an OPS of eight eleven. Yep. Gross. Mm-hmm. Paul Goldschmidt OPS nine fourteen. Just the goat. Contreras seven forty five as a catcher. Very good. DH. Catcher. Arenado, 766, after how cold he was. Yep. Uh, Tommy Edmond got hurt tonight, Oh, which is not great, but his OPS was 798. It's really good for Tommy. Mm-hmm. Nolan Gorman, who, by the way, has 11 home runs on the year. Yeah, he's been... 985 OPS. He's been sneaky good. Paul DeYoung, 949 OPS. And then, I mean, Donovan's still pretty cold. 681 but he'll figure it out he's like he said he changes mechanics completely to hit for more power so once he starts finding the ball a little bit more i feel like he'll turn it around it's cool to see him actually hitting hard and unlike last year he's just a contact hitter hitting singles every single day so i don't blame him there no the offense is definitely good it's not pitching rotation if they can even out and just get a little bit more consistent and the bullpen doesn't throw games. I know that like the Cardinals have always had those bullpens that just love throwing games. Fuck you. I mean, it's true though. No. Gallegos. Shut the fuck Alex up. Alex Reyes. Shut the fuck. Don't, don't put Gallegos and Alex Reyes in the same fucking conversation. Okay. Alex Reyes is, was a bust, been a bust. Fuck that guy. Don't give a fuck about him. Gallegos has had, Gallegos has been really good. Yeah, you know what? This year, maybe not normal Giovanni Gallegos, but Gallegos has a very good Cardinals career, so you can shove that take up your fucking ass. Jordan Hicks? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Don't make me start going to your bullpen. I'm just concerned about that, but they are turning around. It's great to see. They definitely still have a spot to be able to like take the standings for the NL Central. They're only six and a half games back of the Brewers now. 
won a few games against the Brewers, which helps a lot. Pirates, Reds, and the Cubs are kind of cooling down. They're not having the beginning of the year that's like they were. So we won a series against the Brewers, and that's going to be huge. But I, I knew that the Cardinals were not as bad as they showed. They're like they're it was gonna... concerning to see though, because their offense wasn't playing as well as like what the front office was thinking they were going to play at, and their rotation was way worse than it actually should have been. You know. Like, Miles Michaelis would get lit up every other start, it felt like. And then with Wainwright out, you had a, some random guy going out after every fifth start. I would still love to see us go get uh, another, like, another pitcher at the deadline. But I, I feel a lot better about where we are after this week. I just, I think, like, if Libertor can come up and be in the rotation... If Michaelis can re kind of return to normal like he has been, same with Montgomery, we will put ourselves in a position to compete. And if we go make a good move at the deadline, we will put ourselves in a position to be even more competitive. That's that's my Cardinals update. That's my Cardinals talk. I mean, well, I can tie this a little bit with that article that we both saw with the trade rumors of what teams might be moving. With Dylan Cease being on that list for the White Sox of maybe players that get moved, that would be a great person to look at. Even if it's just Giolito from the White Sox, that would be a great starting rotation piece to add into the lineup. If the White Sox are going to move Dylan Cease, I'm tired of this fucking, like, getting some, like, rental or some old guy or some mid-tier guy at the deadline. We have to go get Dylan Cease at the deadline. if Because we have yeah, so, we have have so many position players that we can trade. We have so much depth at that. Like, we can definitely go give them a young, controllable outfielder. Or I would fucking give them a Mason win at this point. Yeah, but point. it's not like it's Dylan Cease's contract year. So you're going to have to give up more value than just I the... know, but we have the prospects and we have, like, the MLB talent as well to go to go do that. So I, I, if Dylan Cease is on the block, he needs to be a Cardinal. I agree with that tying into that article a little bit i don't really want to go too in depth with it but i just wanted i just brought it up more as like a shout out to you because on last week's show blake was like talked about a white Sox being sellers in our mlb overreaction underreaction and mlb said 10 players getting buzz as potential trade candidates and five of them are white Sox. i call it like i see it sometimes that was just a great call by me at this point yeah that was a very good very good take there's there's not really any other surprises on that list like again it's all like the white Sox guys that you mentioned i mean Aroldis. it's just a lot of guys that had one-year deals that are like shoppers anyways they're gonna trade them at the deadline because get value for them it was buy low sell high guys anyways like a chapman on the royals that was exactly what the contract was for the royals they got him for cheap with plans on moving him at the deadline, they're going to give him a shot in baseball again after the, I mean, hor- horrible human being, yeah. the world Chapman, and had, did yeah. not, the Yankees situation ended bad. So they gave him like a shot to prove that he can play baseball, can be a part of a team. And stay out of trouble. They'll trade him to a contender. They'll yep. get some prospects. Might see a reunion with the Yankees and Chapman. No. Yankees fans would not be happy about that. Exactly what the Royals are doing. And then the same thing like the Reds with Will Myers. It was kind of like, hey, this guy can kind of crush. He needs to prove a year anyways. Sometimes like 
He yeah. needed to prove it year anyways. His last year in San Diego was not good enough to get the contract he wanted long term. But like even like just that him showing that he could be a good platoon piece for a contending team, like, yeah, go you. And again, same thing with Randall Gritchick and the Rockies. Like he had good years with the Blue Jays in certain roles. He had bad years. Gritchick. Yeah. Like if he, Gritchick is Gritchick. Gritchick can be a platoon outfielder. So Yeah. But the main point of that was shout out Blake for having a very correct take. Sometimes you have good takes, sometimes you have bad ones, you know? All right, one that is close to me. Alex Thomas being sent down to the minors again. Honestly, well-deserved. He can't hit a baseball to save his life. It's ridiculous at this point. He just whiffs on everything. Like, it's anytime you need a hit and he comes up to the plate, you're just, you're not even holding your breath. You already know that he's out half the time. It's just really sad to see that he has not been able to figure it out. He has the other tools. He's a good defender. He's got speed. He has hustle. Definitely cares about everything, but he just cannot figure out how to hit a baseball right now. He's a very highly touted prospect. And I know last time we talked, you kind of soured your position. Like you're, you said that he wasn't really going to be the guy. Corbin Carroll is the guy. I think Corbin Carroll is the guy. Yeah. But do you have hopes that like Alec Thomas can rebound a little bit better? I mean, I think he'll have to, he'll have to reapproach his whole swing. And reapproach how he wants to go about things. Because right now on his baseball savant page, like it's a lot of blue. And a lot of the blue is his walk rate, his whiff rate, and the hitting barrels. And that's just something you have to do. So if he can go in for the rest of the year and revisit his swing mechanics, it could work. I mean... We saw Max Muncy this year. He made a very small, minor change to his batting stance, his mechanics, and now he's hitting just a true out, true three-outcome player, but he's hitting his home runs like he used to and has a OPS plus above 100 again. So if he can do that, it'd be great, but it just might be like a – minus the speed and stolen bases, but it might just be a, a Billy Hamilton situation where – he's on base he's lethal but he just doesn't get on base like he should i'm not willing to say like it's that type of situation with Halleck thomas because he had like he has pop there's some power numbers oh like, yeah no his pop is like his average exit velocity is 60th percentile his max exit velocity is 72 percentile and his hard hit percentage is 66 but the problem is, is he has to hit the ball in order for that to happen with with what happened with Kalanick, I'm willing to believe that anyone can make a little bit of a comeback. So, like, I, I mean, after what happened, I mean, Kalanick was horrible for two years. Yeah. Like, I know Alec Thomas wasn't as highly touted of a prospect as Jared Kalanick was, but if Alec Thomas can go down to the minor leagues and figure some stuff out, I think there's still hope that he could be a very, very good, maybe even an all-star. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm not giving up hope. I just... I want to see improvements within his batting because it seems like breaking balls are just impossible for him to read off the the hand, and he's just whiffing on it, swinging at it, looking like he doesn't know what's going on half the time. You just don't like to see it. You don't like to see it, no. No, you don't like to see it. Um, But, like, yeah, he could go down. Like, Jake McCarthy, we had to send down earlier this year, too. Both, That's, like, 
two of our starting outfielders in the beginning of the year we had to send down because they just can't really figure out how to hit the ball. We have a speedy outfield with them, but now we're back down to Corbin Carroll and left, Guriel and left and right, and Carroll left and right, and I don't know who they have playing in center anymore at this point. Maybe they're putting Carroll out in center now, actually, because he has the sprint speed for it. He has the outfield jump. So we'll have to see. It's just... If they can figure out, we'll have a lethal outfield in the future. But if they cannot, then maybe we're shopping for an outfielder eventually. <laughs> Guriel's been playing amazing for us, though. At this point, I feel like just because we got two really good players back compared to Varsho, Varsho's having a good year with the Blue Jays. But since we got two players that are really being impactful this year for the D-backs, I feel like we're winning the trade right now just slightly, and it's only because we got two players back. I think it will, I think it will work out. For, I mean, the Blue Jays needed to get rid of Moreno because yeah, it was bottlenecked. He wasn't going to get yeah, play they, time. But Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk, like. But now Danny Jansen's not playing well, so maybe they're like. Ugh. Well, it doesn't really matter because Danny Jansen is good defensively. Yeah, he's a so, defender. Like he, he doesn't have to necessarily hit because you have Kirk. Yeah, and Kirk could just be a DH if anything. Like that's still a very good platoon, and that team is again trying to win now so like i think that fit was better for everyone and guriel like guriel is just a little he's a little older so i don't know if he, you can work him 28, in 28 29 like he will be a free agent here eventually i don't know if you can work him into your he's like one more year after this year i think i don't know if you're gonna like be sold on him as your next five-year guy but well, i think the blue jays with their new stadium changes i think they wanted to change how their outfield looked completely because i mean they traded tail away they trade guriel away they who was center field for them last year was it gritchick no it was no, springer. springer it was springer okay but you could tell that they wanted to change how their uh, their whole outfield looked because you bring in kevin kiermeyer you keep george springer and you bring in Dalton for a show. You're bringing in way better outfield defenders. So I think that's probably what they were going for. They wanted to make their outfield defense just a little bit better where they're not giving up so many leaky hits, maybe, with their new outfield. I mean, yeah, but also I think, like, I mean, you bring in Kevin Kiermeyer, like you said, maybe for defense primarily, but Kevin Kiermeyer playing center field takes a lot of pressure off George Springer and keeps him healthy yeah playing a corner outfield position exactly and then you have i get like you said dalton varsho out there yeah like that you're right that's really good defense a way above average defense about above. good like and he can catch if you really need yeah if you really need i don't know if he'll be doing that anymore in his career but if you i'm um, if you really need yeah it, yeah he can do it like if if danny jansen or alejandro kurt got hurt it'd be an option yeah, it's, it's it's not a horrible situation to have no an extra catcher with that position. Yeah, but but some of these D backs prospects, I'm just looking at. I'm like, hopefully they can figure it out because Jordan Lawler is gonna be out for a bit now because he had he got hit in the hand with a a fastball in one of the games and he was struggling. He was hitting about 180 with a 300 on base percentage, but I think what's happening with him is he's getting bitten by the power bug. He's trying to hit way more home runs than he, what his play style really is suited for. 
And so I think if he can come back and be like, take a step back a little bit, like let the home runs come when they come because he is swinging for the fences. I think they'll, I think they'll, I think Alec Thomas will figure it out. I don't think he'll be as bad as we've seen. I think so too. I think he needs to stop trying to swing. Like a lot of times when I watch him, I feel like he's trying to swing like Ichiro. Mm -hmm. I think he needs to just swing like a baseball player that's not trying to get those leaky infield hits like because he's always like kind of leaning towards first base you know trying to get that extra little jump towards first base i think if he just stays in there and tries to hit the ball he has the speed to stretch anything into a double he's a better player than someone that needs to just rely on their speed yes yeah Yeah. i agree his defense is great and that's why they kept him in center over corbin carroll even though corbin is faster and has better outfield jump his reads on balls are a lot better, and his speed is just as lethal. It's not as good, but it's basically right there along with him. So we'll have to see. It's going to be an interesting one. I don't know how long he'll be down there for. It might be for the rest of the year. It might be till after All-Star break. We'll have to see because it depends if the D-backs are going to be selling or buying at All-Star break. Uh, I think they'll be. I think they'll be like soft sellers. Like They're not going to sell anyone big, but they might trade away a couple guys that are close to contracts expiring to maybe re it i was thinking that they might try try to trade christian walker away yeah i could like that's what i mean like it's not like a huge loss for them it's not like a guy that's like a part of the future plans anyway but maybe just like a hey we're gonna do this so we can free up some money and get some prospects or maybe some like fringe mlb guys yeah see if we see something we can fix in them to get him going like maybe just some relievers or something that they can like sure up their bullpen for next year when they're trying to go for it yeah i i do like christian walker i don't want to see him go but i just once we're actually competing i don't know if he'll be that guy anymore and we do have some guys at that point that would be ready like ivan melendez from when he played for texas and now he's on our minor league system like he's kind of like a carbon copy of christian walker with less like not as good defense but the D-backs made Christian Walker a good defensive first baseman, and he did a lot of work for that. So we'll have to see. It will be an interesting one. Um, yeah, and then last thing that we're going to talk about, um, just quick, do you think Aaron Judge was cheating? Have no. you seen like, the video no. of him looking into the lead? He do was you, not cheating. Okay. Do you believe what he said about I was just looking to see who was chirping? In a six-run game. I think so, because like, you've kind of seen a shift with Aaron Judge, I feel like, the past few years. Where he's trying to be the captain. Okay. Where he's trying to run that clubhouse in a way that's like he's a secondary manager. Like that's his team. So I feel like it was really just like who is creating more drama than we need right now when we're trying to win a baseball game or just like what what the fuck's going on over there. I think it was more of a that kind of look because like. What are you really going to see with, like, a glance over? Like, what are they going to tell you? You have Pitchcom. He's not cheating. It's Aaron Judge. The only thing I wanted to throw out there, and it's the only reason I want to bring it up, the only reason why I really want it, is it's a take that I haven't seen a whole lot of. And just, like, as a baseball player, when we're in the dugout or something, like, at a game, and someone else is pitching, sometimes you can pick up, like, tells that a pitcher has from the dugout that you can't pick up when you're hitting. Yeah. Like if he's, you know, 
in the stretch and he holds the ball behind his back, maybe he does like a certain twirl or he just moves it a in certain a certain way, way yeah, yeah. that you can see from the dugout when that you can't pick up from home plate, but you can kind of get the pitches like that. And after the Astros thing, everyone is so like big on sign stealing and this and that. But I don't think a pitcher, like if a pitcher's tipping pitches and you pick it up from the dugout and you don't relay it electronically, that's not cheating. No, that's just baseball. So I could see something where it was like maybe the guy was tipping pitches and the dugout was picking it up. And like there's just some coach that's standing kind of at the front railing. And it's something as subtle as like he's leaning over the railing. And if his hands open, it's off speed. And if his hands closed, it's a fastball. It could have been something like that, but yet again, like I don't believe that's cheating in a sense. I don't know. That that was like a weird one. I don't think it's cheating either, but like that was something where no one was really talking about that as a possibility. I heard that one, but I just was like, who cares? That's always everyone, been a part of baseball. Everyone talks about it as like he was looking in the dugout because he was cheating, and I just wanted to get the narrative out there that like he could have been looking in the dugout for the pitch, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they obtained it because the pitcher is cheating it could have been because the pitcher was tipping i i feel like though with aaron judge even in that post game interview he would have just said oh yeah there we the guy was tipping pitches and they were helping me out i i don't i don't necessarily think so maybe not in that like okay maybe not in that respect because then that does make you look like a little bad if people are trying to hate you it makes it easier to hate you but i know there's been press conferences in the past where people are guys are like oh yeah the guy was tipping his pitches and we were just taking advantage of it but we weren't gonna tell anything in that moment i don't think he would have said it this early in the season against the blue jays a team that they could play that one is their divisional opponent two they could play in the playoffs yeah like i i don't think they would have done that because i think that they would if they pick something up they would want to hold on to that so that way Abuse next time they face him, possible. they can check it. Who was pitching? I don't. I forgot who scenario. was pitching. I don't. I don't. No one really talked about who was pitching. Yeah, I don't remember. All, who I was always pitching. just see the view of Aaron Judge glancing over to his dugout. That's all yeah. I ever see. So I think it would. But if it was, especially like if it's a reliever and you're playing more games in that series, like that's a guy that you could see the next day. Yeah, well, a if, guy you'll see a lot in the playoffs. If you're picking something up. And you have like the possibility to see him again in that series. You're not going to say anything because you want to use it the next day. Fair enough, but now then he then he got mad and now he's hit. <laughs> he's made the Blue Jays yeah. his child. Now so. it's over. Now it's over. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he was cheating. If anything, he was getting signs, or if anything, like he said in his interview. Guys were creating too much of a commotion over there after their manager already got kicked out. The chances of you getting thrown out too because of the manager just getting thrown out is higher. So it's like, what's going on? We need to be more professional. It, it could be either or. I agree. He just uh, definitely wasn't cheating. I, yeah, I don't think he was cheating. I just feel like Aaron Judge is trying to take on that captain role. Just really quick last thing. So the Mariners pitching staff being one of the best. I don't know if you've seen the stats, but they are number one within like they're top three within all major pitching statistics, whether it be bullpen starting rotation or not, but they're still struggling where they're basically just going 500 over their last 10 games, five for five. Like something has to change, right? With their offense. Like it, it's all on their offense at this point. Cause we know that their pitching staff is what they are. 
I think there's some guys that are underperforming. Like we talked about Julio not having the greatest year. He's turned it around, though, He's a little bit. He's turning it around. He stopped I, swinging at all those first pitches now. I like, mean, Jared Kelnick's the one guy that's, like, Mr. Consistently on the team, which is crazy to say after the past few years. It's been the same problem with the Mariners that they failed to address. Tay Oscar started off cool. He's been heating up. He's... Yeah, he's back and forth. That's just Teo anyways. You know what you're getting with Teo Oscar. It's, they did not, like that team, the middle infield isn't good on that team. Yep. Eugenio Suarez, like. He's playing different this year. Playing, like, the Mariners offense is a lot of guys that are just kind of, yeah. Yeah, for some reason. And they, you know. There have been ample opportunities for them to upgrade positions of need offensively that they haven't taken. Yeah, like they should have. They should have been in on the free agent shortstop thing. Yeah, because even if you move J.P. Crawford over to second base, yeah, J.P. Crawford is better than any of the people you've been rolling out at second base. He's yeah. better than Colton Long. He's better than Caballero. Like, yeah, yeah, like you. If you have a Dansby Swanson or a Carlos Correa or a Trey Turner or any of those free agent shortstops that we've seen over the past couple of years, that is a legitimate bat playing shortstop for the Mariners. It's a different looking team. Yeah. It's just everybody goes on their hot streaks at different times, I feel like is the problem. I've heard this a lot from Mariners fans. It feels like the Mariners play against their competition and they equal out their skill level against the competition they're playing against. So they play horribly against the A's because the play, A's play horribly. But when they play a team like the Blue Jays or the Astros, they play really well. And it's almost like they need to have like a shift of mentality. I mean, when your pitching's that good, you can beat everyone, which is probably why they people think that they play down to their opponent. But it's more so just like your pitching can keep you in games when your pitching's that good. Yeah. And like... Your when your pitching shuts out the like your pitching's gonna hold the Astros to low runs because yeah. they're that good, but they're also gonna hold the A's to low runs. Yeah, because they're that good. Yeah, you have to have guys that are gonna score. You have to have offenses that are gonna score. Yeah, I just want to say shout out to Bryce Miller. That guy's a dog. Dog, absolute dog. He he changes up styles too, which is crazy. Like he was throwing sixty percent fastballs one game, or I think the first two games he was throwing that, and then against the Tigers, he's just like. Feeling off speed today. Like I'm just gonna throw a bunch of slurves. And that's exactly but like the Bryce Miller edition is exactly what the Mariners needed to fill the Robbie Ray hole. Yeah, imagine Robbie Ray doesn't get injured, he doesn't come up for some reason, Bryce Miller, like where you're fitting. He might have he might have came up because of how bad Marco's been. But that's the thing, Marco has been doing quality starts. Like yesterday was the one, like there's been two really bad starts, but the other ones have been really good. So it's just weird. I don't know, like I wanna see what he was throwing because He's had a problem with his cutters in the past, and I'm wondering if he started throwing his cutters in those starts, and they just started getting barreled up. Because I mean, la- the other was the last night against the Red Sox, horrible. I mean, they put up eight runs on him on the first. It felt like, or whatever it might have been. It was fast. I I don't know. I think the Mariners. So I think some guys will figure it out and get a little bit more consistent. But I don't see the Mariner. I like. They need. They they just needed another legit bat. They needed because, like you said, there's a lot of guys that are streaky hitters on the Mariners. Yeah. And they needed someone to kind of anchor the offense down, and I think it would help some of those streaky hitters not be as streaky because there would not be as much pressure on them. 
Yeah. Like you expect a lot less out of Te Teoscar Hernandez when he is the fourth best hitter on the team. Yeah. But when he's like that number two, number three guy. Yeah. It's a lot harder. Yeah, you need one more consistent bat because right now the only consistent bat you have is Jared Kelnick. Mm-hmm. And guys like Eugenio Suarez and Ty France. Ty France or Cal Riley. Cal Riley. They get more fastballs when there's some when there's someone else in the lineup that they like that pitchers don't want to have to throw to. Yeah. And it hasn't been helping like protection wise, and that's why they've I feel like they've really been like throwing their batting lineup everywhere. Like they took Julio out of the leadoff spot, they put him like the three next to Kelnick to try to get like guys a little bit more scared to like go up against Kelnick, so they're trying to give easier opportunities to Julio. It's just weird what they're doing now because Julio should be that leadoff guy. But you just can't right now because everyone else behind them isn't doing what they're doing. But you need more out of Julio when absolutely there's no one behind him. Yeah, absolutely. Julio needs to play like Ronald Acuna is playing right now, which is just ridiculous. And you can't ask that from anybody. But he needs to play similar to that where he's at least hitting the ball hard every time and not grounding out. I don't know. The Mariners are a team that I think everyone thought was going to get a lot better. And they didn't necessarily get a lot better. Yeah, like they, they kind of stayed the same almost. They made a small upgrade. And I think people thought just because they made the playoffs last year, they were going to take another s- step forward. And Well, you just look at that pitching rotation. It's true. Their pitching rotation is great. And their bullpen is even still good, even after trading away f- a few of the arms for like pieces like Teo and everything. But it's just that offense. They just haven't focused on it enough. You trade for Colton Long, who, again, his, his whole career has been a streaky hitter. They only signed him. Did no, they trade for him? They trade. He was Jesse Winker went to the Brewers. Oh wow, yeah. Colton Long. That was just back. a bad move. I think Toro went to the Brewers too. Yeah. So like, like the Toro one, I understand. He could never really figure it out. But Colton Long is. Yeah, I don't know what they were looking for. Their defense, like his defense, has kind of fallen off too. So. Yeah, I just the Mariners need to figure out how to hit. It's yeah. that it plain and simple. Like yeah. they won't be in the playoffs. They won't be making deep playoff runs unless they trade for a legitimate bat at the deadline and unless they They're in a tough division. They need some Exactly. Like you had to go bigger. Last year the Mariners should have been we let the young guys play. It was we saw what they are. They made strides. Yep. We know that we have this young core. Now we go get players around it, and they didn't do that. Yeah. And you're not going to win more games if you stay the same. Yeah. Very true. I mean, we saw what they were last year in the playoffs, and they're just not better now. They're they're going to be a 90-win team, but I don't think 90 wins is going to get you in the playoffs this year. I don't even know if they win 90 games. I, see, I could see them winning at 85. Yeah, I could see that too, but I'm just saying, like, they are at least they should be a 90-win team with the teams they have to play, but... They're dropping games that they shouldn't drop, you know. They're just dropping games to the Oakland Athletics. Like they're dropping series, you know. When you play every team more, too, you can't, like, you can't lose. Because you don't have those. You don't get to play the Athletics as much. Well, theoretically, that should have helped them out more this year because really the only bad team in their division now is the Athletics. Yeah, but when you play, when you play, like, every team and you lose games to the Athletics or, like, the Royals or the tigers you know some of the lower teams in the league and you drop games to them yeah the game it's a confidence you have to win a lot more against a lot better teams now and now you're not just playing against good teams from your division 
you got to play against good teams in other divisions, even good National League teams, and that's yeah. not going to do it for you. Yeah, I'm just saying when the Mariners and D-backs meet up, it's not going to be good for the Mariners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> On that note, I think we're going to wrap up episode two. Yeah, it's a good one. Want to it out? Yeah, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to follow the Final Play pod on Twitter. Follow it on Instagram. Like us on Spotify. Like us on Apple Podcasts. And we will see everyone next week with some more sports coverage.